Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Y'all can, can be seated. Um, if you look in your seats, this is uh, the time if you consider, uh, if you are a member or you wish to give to the awakening, uh, this is how you do so. Um, to give your tithe, we have the green side is the main way we've set up giving is through uh, an app or online. It's called Tithely. A way that you can do this by texting is actually texting this number. It's, it, it goes to a, an account. It doesn't go to anybody personal. Um, but you can text this number. It will give you prompts on how to give digitally. If you, if you give by check or cash, we have a uh, box in the back that looks like well-oiled mahogany, but it's definitely not mahogany. It's, uh, it's very light and flimsy, but uh, you can put a cash or check in there. If you have cash and you wish to receive a tax credit for that, put it in an envelope um, for us and put your name, address, and the, and the amount. So, um, but those are the ways that you can give your, your tither offering. And um, like I said, this is kind of the way that our world goes is towards this digital giving. So we're, we're trying to keep up. Awesome. Thank you. If you are in, if you're a, a kid, you're welcome to go to kids church at this time. So fifth grade to five years old can go downstairs and walkers to four years old can go upstairs. So you guys can, Sam needs Travis. Um, so I have a couple of announcements this morning. Um, in your chair, you found two things. Travis talked about the card. This is our monthly, I mean, our quarterly bulletin. So if you took one of these last week, then you can leave yours this week. If you didn't get one last week, please take this, put it on your refrigerator. It's the same as last week, so you don't need another one if you already took one. Um, it has lots of great information on it that I won't talk about this morning. Text in Church is on that um, is on the bulletin, so it has lots of things you can text. AYA is at 165 the Plaza. Jesse and Gracie uh, lead AYA, and it's amazing. Last week, KC spoke, and I heard they finally shut it down around 10 something because people were getting rocked by God. So thankful for Jesse leading that charge with the Awakening Young Adults. So if you, um, they're very lenient on the word young. So if you would like to attend, you're welcome to go. <laughs> Seven o'clock, the plaza, it's amazing time. Small group, it's our first small group for the fall is gonna be Tuesday at 6.30 at 10.50 Baxter Street. So that's the Athens Link building, um, 10.50 Baxter Street. I'm gonna be sharing about um, taking the pressure off relationships, whether it's family, coworkers, dating, friends. Um, so it'll be a fun time for us to get in the word and maybe learn a few new tools and possibly practice them amongst ourselves. So 630, 1050 Baxter Street. Worship night, 
November 10th at 986 Reese Street, 7 p.m. It'll be amazing. Love worship nights. Can't waste in a night on Jesus. No better thing to do. Open and anybody can come. Bring your friends. All right. Thank you. Um, so we have a couple of prophetic words this morning. Jalen, you want to come up and share with us what the Lord has given you? Hi. Um, so I asked the Lord um, what he wants to like speak to people today. And um, I feel like there might be a couple people, maybe one person who has a lot of internal um, struggle, maybe unrest spiritually um, with things that uh, you might be fighting with. And uh, if that's you, can you please stand up if you've, if you've been feeling a lot of struggle or weary? Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and so I feel like one verse that came to mind was um, Exodus 14, 14. And um, it says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And I think God just really wants to tell you that this is like the morning of rest. Well, it's Sabbath, of course, but <laughs> he's bringing rest to you this morning. And for whatever you've been fighting recently or over time, no, no amount of time, like it's a struggle. God wants to bring that to rest and he wants to know that he's, wants you to know that he's fighting for you and he will always fight for you. And so all you need to do is just be still because there's nothing that's going to stop him from fighting for you at his fullest capacity. And there's nothing you could ever do to make him fight for you even more because he's already there. Um, and so if you guys want to like people around you, if you're near them, want to lay hands on them, we could all pray. Um, Father God, thank you so much for all of your children. Thank you for these people, Lord, that you are fighting for relentlessly. God, your love will never stop. You already gave your life, Christ, for these people. And so, Lord, your children, you will never let them go. You will never stop fighting for them. You will never stop carrying their burdens because whatever they're struggling with is already nailed to the cross. And Lord, you have healed them of any iniquities, spiritually, emotionally, and physically, Lord. And so I pray that you just bring them rest, faith in you, and complete trust to what you are doing in their lives, God. And I pray that they are just still, that they leave with a sense of peace, and that they can walk in a new lightness instead of carrying heavy burdens, God. In your name we pray, amen. Jalen, wait just a minute. Come here, honey. So that was amazing. This is Jalen's first time giving a prophetic word. And she had so much courage getting up here. I'm so proud of you. you. Yeah, wasn't that amazing? I'm telling you, step out. All right, Jonathan. All right. Um, this gentleman here in the red hat, what's your name? Roderick? Uh, Roderick, I just, God highlighted uh, you to me earlier, and I just kept hearing, well, first of all, I saw the bull's hat, and by the way, epic hat. Uh, so what kept coming to mind is greatest of all time, thinking about Michael Jordan, right? And that's debatable with some of you, but MJ's the best, all right? Let's be real. So um, 
he just said, Kept, God kept saying greatest of all time, and I was like, what, what are you saying, God? And he said, greatest father of all time. And uh, I just, I really feel like God wants to really bless you with the wisdom of being an incredible father. And, um, you know, I, I feel like he's, you've had several questions you've been asking on how to get from A to B. God, how do I do this? How do I do this? And, and he just, God just kept telling me, he's like, Tell him to get in the secret place and to learn from me, to learn from my spirit. The Holy Spirit is the great teacher. He will teach you everything you need to know. He's got the solution to every problem that you will ever have. So just, just take those problems to him, those things that you know and you don't know, and say, God, teach me. And he will teach you, and you'll be the greatest of all time. So stand up, man. Let's pray for you. Yeah, if you're around him, just put your hands on Roger. So God, we just thank you for Roderick. We just say, bless this man. We just thank you for wisdom. We thank you for courage. Yeah, just, I kept hearing today the manifold wisdom of God. So we just, we thank you, God, for your manifold wisdom working in and through his life. And that he is, like Abraham was, he's going to leave a legacy for generations to come. And we just thank you for the man of faith that, that he is and that, that he is going to become. And we just thank you, God, for everything you're doing in this man. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a good word. All right, so that's a good transition for us because we're about to have a baby blessing this morning, and we have we love doing baby blessings. It's just so much fun. This morning's a l- little bit different, and um, we um, so at the awakening we have a foster care ministry. So, how many of you don't know about our foster care ministry at the awakening? Never heard of it, or like don't know? Okay. So most people know about it because we, it's like my favorite thing, so I talk about it a lot. Um, You can text FOSTER on the sheet, and you can be a part two, but um, our hope in our foster care ministry, we have two foster families in our church that we support, and our prayer and desire for all of our foster kids who come through the awakening is reunification with their biological parents. Now, I'm not saying that is always the right thing, the best thing, or the thing that happens, but it is our hope, and we believe in miracles. So we actually believe in the atonement of of our sin by the blood of Jesus, and so anybody can have a miracle. So, like, life happens, and, and hard things happen, and so when we get a child, we immediately, we have a whole team of people that begin praying for reunification. We start praying. We pray for that, that child, but we pray for their parents. And it's so amazing to watch God. There's nothing we could do to make these things happen, but we watch God, and we get to be a part of something so much bigger, more beautiful than we could ever imagine. So our team is, a lot of us are here Uh, You will see us in a few minutes. I'm not going to have you all stand up. But some people that are a part of our team actually aren't a part of the awakening. And so, Chelsea, you'll stand up. Just for a second, Chelsea is a part of UH4C, and she provides great support to the Brockers. They're one of our foster families. And we're really thankful for you, Chelsea, and love you being a part of our team. And so, um, tell me your name again. Yes, Allison, I'm sorry. Allison, if you'll stand up. I know. 
doing this. So Allison is, is Karen's best friend. And Allison, you know, when your best friend is, decides, like, I'm going to bring a baby to lunch every time we go, you know, it's a commitment. And so Allison's had to get used to spit up and poopy diapers. And she has been such a confidant and friend to Karen. And we're so thankful for you. And so y'all can sit down for a second. So, um, so we're going to do our baby blessing this morning. Travis is going to do this. But Karen has invited Justice's parents to be here. And so Roderick is Justice's biological father. And Christina is his stepmother. And so if you guys and Chuck and Karen will bring Justice up. And then we're going to have them come stand up here in the front. And then... Um, we're going to have our whole foster care team come on down. <laughs> so if you're on the foster care team, just make your way around. Chelsea and Allison, you're welcome to come up also. Chelsea, if you'd rather take pictures, that's totally fine. <laughs> I understand. All right, we have a big, look at all these people. I know it's a lot of us on the team. And if you'd like to be a part of the foster care team, you are welcome to join in. Um, all right. Well, this is a, quite an honor for me. Um, the scriptural basis for baby dedication is found in 1 Samuel 1, 27 through 28, where a godly woman named Hannah prayed year after year for a son while experiencing barrenness. And the Lord answered her prayer and gave her a son, which, who ended up being the prophet Samuel. And when Samuel was born, Hannah prayed these words. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. So I've also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there, Samuel did. And then in Luke 2, following the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph took the infant Jesus to the temple and dedicated him to God, set him apart for God's purposes. And so, uh, Roderick and Christine, I'm going to ask you some questions. And if you agree to these questions, you can just simply say, we do. Okay? Do you receive this child justice with gratitude as God's gift to you and your family? Do you commit to each other as parents, creating a stable environment in which your child can mature? Will you make a covenant to strengthen uh, your relationship together? Do you commit to be parents of personal faith, recognizing your child is more likely to follow God's path by the model justice first, first observes in you. 
You commit to lead a faith-filled home that honors God in all your relationships and in the choices you make in spiritually growing your family. Do you commit to be parents with patience, recognizing that with your inherent strengths and weaknesses, you desire to shape your child as a loving act that will require time, prayer, and God in order to produce in your children what he and you hope for? So the baby blessing, uh, Chuck and Karen have been a big part of this as well. And we want to recognize what Chuck and Karen have done in Love and Justice um, and, and providing the opportunity for, for this um, reconciliation between Roderick and Christina and, and Justice. Um, so now I'm going to pray over Justice, okay? Justice, <laughs> I call your spirit to attention in the name of Jesus Christ, and I bless you with identity and legitimacy. God made you special, Justice, crafted and created and designed by God your Father. He planned for you. You are no accident. Your Father made you beautiful and beloved. I bless you with the knowledge of your purpose, Justice. I bless you with being everything God designed you to be. I bless you with fulfilling your purpose and carrying out God's work with honor, peace, and joy. I bless you with knowing that God fights for you. Father God intended for you to rest in peace as he takes care of your enemies. I bless you with your ways being so pleasing to the Lord and in such a profound way that your enemies will live at peace with you and seek out your God. I bless you with an awareness of God's presence. I bless you with the great joy that comes from the presence of God, sensing him watching over your life. I bless you, Justice, with the ability to trust God. I bless you with experiencing your father's faithfulness, his faithful love toward you, for your emotions to be aware, to know, to savor, to feel, to relish the love your father expresses toward you. I bless you with the joy of the Lord. I bless you with knowing so profoundly the pleasure God has in you, that the opposition of other people means nothing. And I bless you in the name of the laughing God of Zephaniah 317. I bless you as an obedient child. I bless you with the joy of obedience and realizing that obedience is a joy and not a bondage. I bless you with the unique joy of obeying your father in great detail because you're motivated by love. I bless your place in the new generation who will blot out their old bondage of legalism and the world will see you in the complete merging of obedience and love. I bless you with favor in your walk with God. I bless you with favor with the authorities and the favor in the marketplace. I bless you with favor even with people who are enemies of Christ and the cross. I bless you with freedom from the fear of man. And I bless you with going to the word of God and seeing specific promises he has made to you, standing on them, and savoring the joy, security, and excitement that comes when your father answers your prayers based on specific promises. I bless you with such confidence in your identity as a child of God that you can truly say, if God is for me, who can be against me? I bless you with hunger for God. I bless you with having a fresh manifestation of the power of God in your day. And I bless you with nodding such a measure of hunger and holiness in your family, your community, and your nation that many will experience a visitation of God. 
I bless you to find God's word and eat it, and it would become the joy and delight of your heart. I bless you with strength in your spirit each day, and I bless you with meeting God daily, spirit to spirit. I bless you to be born again and receive the spirit of life, and I bless you to have Christ dwell in your heart through faith and to be rooted and grounded in love. Justice, I bless you with faith, hope, and love, and I bless you with the faith that loving Jesus produces. I bless you with being fully satisfied that God is keeping his word to you, no matter how long it takes or how contrary your circumstances may look. I bless you with a strong sense of standing on a solid rock of God's faithfulness and timing. I bless you with unshakable, irrepressible hope. I bless you with a spirit of wisdom and understanding for you to have eyes to see and ears to hear. I bless you to be humble, meek, pure in heart, and poor in spirit. I bless you to know that God gives grace to the humble, but opposes the proud. I bless you, Justice, to know the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, y'all can be seated. Thank you, guys. So Roderick and Christina, I just want you to look around. This is, these are all the people. We all love justice, and therefore we love you. And we are standing with you and praying for you. We believe in you. You have what it takes. You are great parents for justice. I know. You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. We're so glad you're here. Hope to see lots more of you. Who wants to receive Jesus? <laughs> I ain't kidding. <laughs> oh, man. All right. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's good. Well, I want to talk about the uh, inspiration and authority of Scripture. And this, this is something that I, I tend to take for granted um, because I, I did, I'm not super old. I'm getting closer to middle age. I mean, I guess if, you know, I'm 40 now, you know, but yeah. Um, but I do remember growing up that me and my buddies, even when we were getting into trouble, we knew what was right and what was wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, even my buddies that didn't grow up in Christian homes had a sense of, yeah, these are like the values of our, our community and our, our country and these types of things. And Judeo-Christian principles was, was in the culture, all right? And so... Uh, Maybe, you know, maybe somebody that grew up around my same time in a different city had a different experience, but I'm just telling you what I experienced. And uh, so when you have, like, this sense of right and wrong, you know, your parents, um, my parents growing up were, um, we attended church regularly, and, but they're, they're more on fire for the Lord now than they ever have been, but they, I definitely had a, a strong sense of, of the law, and and what it is, is um, John Sanford, he talks about, you know, when, when you, 
what the law does is it builds in you, it actually, it's hard to see the grace of God without the law. So if you don't have discipline in your life or you, maybe your parents didn't discipline you growing up and didn't teach you right from wrong, it's hard to see a need for grace. All right, and so currently our culture, you know, you could, just a few decades ago, you could evangelize somebody by saying, well, the Bible says this, and they would, may not necessarily give their lives to Jesus, but they would, they would know, yeah, I'm, I'm, living, I'm living in sin, brother, or whatever, you know, they would say, I just don't want to give up, give it up, and, but they, they knew there was this, there was this uh, right and wrong aspect, but now today, if you try to evangelize somebody and say, this is what the Bible says, and like, I don't care about the Bible. I don't care what the Bible says. This is why we talk about evangelism, providing an encounter that we owe an encounter with people. Now, the gospel itself is powerful. It's uh, Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. And so when you share the gospel, I mean, you can share the gospel in three words. Jesus loves you. And it releases the Holy Spirit on people. And, and the Holy Spirit, once they put, you put that gospel seed in people, it can haunt them. Because he's a ghost. He's, he's called the Holy He's the Holy Ghost. He's the Holy Ghost, if you read your King James Version. And, um, and so it's, we're just not in a day where the Bible is revered as an, necessarily an authority on the matters of life. So this is why I wanna, wanted to talk about this. Um, so we're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 3. We go to the next one for me. And it says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Now it says man of God, woman's included in that. That the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, now, Paul has written this letter and he's writing it to Timothy and the context of this letter that precedes, this is like the end of the chapter, all right? And, and before, earlier in that chapter, Paul is painting a picture of what the last days looks like. And this is what he says. He says, there's going to be difficult times. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, Haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness without power, captivating weak people, opposers of the truth, depraved minds, deceivers. He's just painting a very vivid picture of what the last days looks like. And then he ends the chapter with this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God, woman of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. Why do you think he ended 
we, we divide it into chapters, but why do you think he ended that section with that verse? It's because in the midst of the last days, you have to stand on the word of God. Because all this stuff is swirling around you. Men and, and, and the evil of sin, this is how they're behaving. We can, we can check every one of these off in our last days, but Paul, could, he was checking them off in his day. So the question is, I'm not trying to figure out what the last days are. I'm telling you, this is the condition of man. And so when it's swirling around, what are you going to do? Because if you're not, you're, without Jesus, we're, we're in that swirl and we're contributing to all of that. And so Paul's telling us, you have to know the scripture. And you have to know what it says. And you have to, that's where your belief and your worldview has to come from. And so I want to focus on that first sentence where it says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Some of your translations may say inspired by God. And so, but it's actually saying breathed out. And so just imagine the, the word of God, is, is, it came forth and, and God exhaled. And when we read, we breathe in the breath. God breathes out the word. We breathe in the breath. We breathe in the word. How do you form words? Wind goes over your vocal cords. All right, so spirit, breath, wind. You go to Ezekiel chapter 37. It's the chapter about where he commands Ezekiel to prophesy over the dry, dead bones. And he says, prophesy to the wind. It says the ruach, which means wind or breath. He says, prophesy to the breath that these, that these bones may live. And so the breath of God has the life of God in, in it as well. And we're going to look at that as, uh, a little further. So when we come to the Bible... We're not just coming to a good book or a book of wisdom. We're coming to a book that's primary function is for, is for us to breathe in what God's breathing out. So the Bible's primary role is not for my brain, although it helps my brain. That's not its primary role. Its primary purpose for me is to breathe in the breath of God so I can, re I can receive life from his word. The spirit is life. The word and the spirit are connected. They're not separate. Sometimes you hear, oh, they're a word-based church or they're a spirit-based church. It's like, well, you can't really do that. If you're obeying the word of the Lord, you're in the spirit. All right? So I want to cross that lie out right now. You can't be word separate from the spirit and you can't be spirit separate from the word. They, they're one and they work together and they're one and the same pretty much. So if I'm, if I'm coming at the Bible from a uh, purely intellectual focus, I'm going to miss the point because I'm missing the author. The point is the, the, the word of God is to lead me into an encounter with the author. All right? I, sometimes I talk about, you know, if somebody asks me, um, hey, would you rather read a letter from your dad or would you rather meet your dad if I'd never met him before? I was like, I'd rather meet my dad. And so part of what 
the Bible does is it actually, it's not only the letter, but it actually introduces us to the person. That's the purpose is to introduce you to the person of Jesus Christ, to introduce you to God. It's not just to have a letter from God and that he's somewhere far away. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah, God's like this, God's like that, but I, you don't really know until you know that person, right? I don't, I don't know uh, Lionel Messi. That's the first guy that popped into my mind for whatever reason. I can read articles about him. I can read stories, even interviews. I don't really know him unless I start spending time with him on a personal level. Am I right? And so this is the point of Scripture, to introduce you to the author. Now, Adam was formed from the dust, and then God breathed into him. So go to the next one. One more time. Genesis 2, 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. All right, next one. And when he hits, and then John 20, 22, Jesus has died. He's appearing to his disciples. He hasn't ascended to the right hand of the Father yet. He's making appearances. <laughs> For, I can't remember the days. It was maybe 150 days. I can't, somebody can correct me on that. But it was extended period of time where Jesus, they'd be having a prayer meeting and Jesus would pop in and he'd be like, peace to you. <laughs> but he wasn't just, a, he was either popping up or walking through a wall. You know what the crazy thing was? He was like this. He was flesh, but in a glorified body. Now, I just wanted to blow your mind with that for, you know, just for <laughs> blowing your mind's sake. And, uh, and so when you get a body, who knows what you're going to be doing in heaven? You're, I would like to breathe underwater. I think I'm going to get to do that. So anyways, um, so Jesus was crucified, raised back to life. He meets with his disciples, and what does he do? He does this. He breathes on them. Now, the Bible talks about, it says Jesus is the second Adam because he came to restore what was lost in the garden, uninhibited relationship with God. To break off shame, to break off sin, to pay the price for sin that so we would not be separated from God. God didn't separate himself from us. We separated from God. And so Jesus came to give us that another chance to have relationship. That's from the heart of God. That wasn't our idea. That was God's idea. So if I try to read the Bible without recognizing the author, the Bible can become, it can become the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and not the tree of life. So what, I'm, so what do I mean by that is, in the garden, you had the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you had the tree of life, both in the same garden, okay? If I, if I approach the Bible without trying to know the author, then this book can become uh, just, it can become another book, and it become a set of rules and um, boundaries and, and things that I try to perform in my own strength. This book is impossible in your own strength. 
part of the purpose of the, of the law that was given in the Old Testament is to make you realize you can't do it. That was the purpose, is that to reveal to you that you need a Savior. Nobody in this room has kept the Ten Commandments fully. Nobody. You just, you just go to those ten rules. Nobody's kept those. And so we need a Savior. And God, the fact is, you know, God is holy, but part of his holiness is that he's unconditional love. He's radical love. So the letter kills and the spirit gives life. So we go to the next, yeah. Man, somebody's prophetically moving slides up there. Uh, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So, if I approach this in my own strength, not trying to know the author, not really wanting to be changed, it's going to be, I can kill people with this, actually. The Pharisees did. They tried to kill Jesus, <laughs> who was the word. All right, and so you have to approach the scripture with uh, humility and surrender to be able to be changed by the author, to be able to be transformed and conformed into the image of the author, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. So you go to um, North, North Korea. People are getting saved in North Korea, and some of them are being smuggled across into South Korea. And this is, I'm telling you, this is intense. They, they get sneak into South Korea somehow. They get trained for a week. So what the people that we know that are doing this, they spend the first two days, say they, t- they have seven days, they're spending the first two days praying, just praying. You can correct me if I'm wrong, babe. And then they spend the next two days teaching them Bible stories, just like Bible, Bible stories. These are brand new believers in Jesus Christ. Then they spend the remainder of the days praying again, worshiping and praying. Then they send them back into North Korea. Now, they don't give them a Bible because if they have a Bible, they'll get shot, they'll get killed. But when they share it, they end up sharing the love of God with people. Guess what starts coming out of their mouth? Scripture. Why is that? It's because they know the author. So they, they end up sharing scripture that they've never heard before because the author of the scripture lives inside of them. We have another, y'all have heard me tell this story maybe once or twice. Uh, a friend of mine, Fernando Villalobos, was a new Christian in uh, Bolivia. And he was asked to speak one night at a, they had revival in Bolivia that was, that's a whole nother sermon series. And, uh, but his uh, mentor asked him, said, I want you to speak tonight, Fernando. And Fernando said, I, I, don't really, I don't really know much scripture. He said, it's okay, just open your mouth and God will fill it. And so Fernando gets up on the stage and simply obeys. He stands up there with his mouth open. Nothing comes out for a few minutes, like three or four minutes. That's a long time. <laughs> if, you, if I just stood up here like this, 
three or four minutes, we're like, it's 20 seconds. He's been up there in eternity. And so he stood there with his mouth, and then words started coming out, and he started preaching, and he, he preached for 30 to 40 minutes. Didn't really know what he was saying. Somebody came up to him and says, did you know everything you said was Scripture? Yeah, it's, yeah it, was a, or it was like the book of Isaiah, even more specifically, if, if I'm getting the story completely right, Sophia, his daughter can confirm with you in the back after, after church if you want. Um, so it's about the author. It's about the author, and, and God loves his, his word, and that's why he's filling his believers with, with his word. And so the, the purpose is encounter with the author. If you go to John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen on that. So, one of the things, my points today is I want, you, I want you to walk away with is knowing that the Bible is authoritative. It is an authority in life, whether you believe it or not. It is an authority. Uh, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So based on this passage, who has all authority? Jesus. All right? So when we say Scripture is authoritative, what do we mean? We mean that Scripture is not an authoritative manual independent from God because Jesus is the Word of God. So when all authority has been given to me, Jesus, one of his names in John chapter 1, is the Word of God. All right? He is found in this word, but not limited to this word. <laughs> I know. Um, so, when we, we cannot use the word of God independent from the nature and character of God. That's how we have authority in the earth. All right, so, Jesus, when the woman that was caught in adultery, this is the word of God. He didn't, he didn't abolish the law. He fulfilled the law. The word of God speaking to the woman caught in adultery. She was about to be stoned by a group of elders and Pharisees. And Jesus said, the first one among you without sin cast the first stone. They ended up all walking away. Jesus had wisdom to solve problems like that. Don't you love Jesus when he did that? And they're like, you know, they just... I loved the wisdom. That's called the word of wisdom, where you just confound people. And it said, it said about Stephen in Acts, it says he was full of the spirit of wisdom, and they couldn't contend with the things that he said. So he was doing exactly what Jesus was talking about, where he was, they, they were trying to catch him in a, in a corner, put him in a corner, and then he just comes out with an answer, just Bus, how's that can kick? All right. So and they, so they, Jesus, they're they're saying, Jesus, this woman's caught in adultery. What do you say? The law says we should stone her. What do you say? 
They're like, man, we got him. You who's without sin, throw the first stone. Walk away. They come, Jesus, should we pay taxes to Caesar? I mean, if you're claiming God's king and, you know, we have the temple tax and the tax to Caesar, who gets the tax? Give to Caesar what's Caesar and give to God's what's God. Good answer. All right, you know, so they... So Jesus, we can't, and so back to the woman caught in adultery, all, they all leave. Jesus, it says whenever, he says, you who's without sin, throw the first stone. And it says he's writing in the, in the dirt. Nobody knows what he wrote. But you want to know what I think he's doing? How did God write the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone with his finger? So what do you think? I think Jesus was writing with his finger in the dirt. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He was writing that he had fulfilled the law. The law was, you know, the fulfillment of the law was here. And so Jesus looks up and he says, did anyone, any of your body that was condemning you, are they still here? And he said, she said, no, they've left. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So he said, there's no condemnation in me, but leave your sin behind you. There's grace to leave the sin behind you. Grace is not to let you keep living in sin, it's to let you leave the sin behind you. That's what Jesus was offering the woman, was the grace to leave that life behind without death. And so when we use the word of God in a way that's absent of the nature and character of God. If I say, if I told somebody, hey, you're going to hell. We've heard those street preachers say that. You're going to hell. That's true for everybody that doesn't know the Lord. That's truth. But it's absent of the character and the nature of God. And so we, we, when we share the word of the Lord, it's accompanied by the author it's accompanied by the author's character and his nature. Okay? The Bible is authoritative for faith and practice. In other words, the Bible is authoritative for what you should believe and what you should do. But it also is authoritative for the way that we see reality. It's the filter. It's the lens, glasses, whatever you want to say. It's how we should see reality as Christians. Okay? So... The, the tumultuous political landscape of the United States, your filter, no matter where you stand in that spectrum, needs to be through the Bible. Through the, you need to have a biblical worldview of that. How the, the problems that we have in our community and in the, in the nation and stuff like that, it needs to be seen through a biblical worldview. All right? And so we, we have to go back to the Bible. Lord, what, is, what are you saying about this? So... When, what, when something is presented as normal in the Bible, that normal should be authoritatively normal in your life. All right, so this is what I mean. Are miracles normal in the Bible? Is it normal for God to speak to people in the Bible? Is healing normal in the Bible? People encountering God, normal in the Bible. Angelic visitations, 
No more in the Bible. High integrity and character. No more in the Bible. Supernatural love. No more in the Bible. Yes. So that's normal. So it's telling us this is what normal looks like. This is what normal looks like. And so if we're not quite there yet, it's calling us up higher. It's calling us up higher. Just like Jesus called the woman caught in adultery higher. And there's grace to go there. There's grace to go there where it's like, you know what, Lord? I'm not quite uh, operating in maybe this area of life that I see that's, that's common in the Bible. God, would you help me? Give me your grace. Give me your courage. And I, I want to go there. But I can't do it without you. It's that, that's all we do is just confess our need for him. Another thing that the Bible does that it has authority to do is the Bible reads us. We don't read the Bible, just read the Bible. The Bible reads us. So go to the next slide. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to, his, to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, who's giving an account? It says no creature is hidden, so it means all creatures are giving an account to the Lord and that the word of God exposes us. All right, so I'm gonna dive into this a little bit more, this passage. So the phrase word of God, it means more than the Bible, okay? Uh, so when the Bible says, Word of God includes the Bible, but is not exclusive to that. Now, what I'm meaning is we have apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers. We have people who currently in the body of Christ who prophesy something that God's doing in our current events or is going to do in the future. It's confirmed by the community of believers. It says in 1 John uh, chapter 2 and 3 about how we have a Holy, the Holy Spirit to discern, to judge whether these things, and it says people prophesy in part. So we don't, nobody has the whole picture of what's going on. One thing that happens when somebody gives a word of the Lord, just like we gave prophetic words, okay? That's, that's like the, the current word of, of God for somebody. It's not complete. It's not whole. It's not the whole counsel that God has over that person. But when, but it's the, the words that were given this morning we're not contrary to this, all right? That's what, so that's what we're talking about here. And so God does things that currently in the world that are not found in the Bible. So in Toronto, back in the early 90s, the Holy Spirit poured out. People were roaring like lions and barking like dogs. I had a friend there who was a hospital executive This, I mean, he's, he's this guy right here. I'm going to sit in the back and observe. He was roaring like a lion. And he was like, inside, he was like, I'm trying to stop. He had no control. Sometimes the Holy Spirit didn't ask you for permission. He was roaring like a lion. All right, David Hogan. You know, Jesus, you know, the, the evangelist Philip in the book of Acts was transported. He, he witnessed to an Ethiopian, uh, uh, I can't remember what his role was, but he was Ethiopian in a chariot, 
And Philip shares the word of God with him. He believes, uh, Ethiopian believes, he baptizes him. Then Philip's, he's just gone. Jesus walking through walls. Now, there's people in the world that are seeing these things that are even further beyond this. David Hogan, um, he's been in two places at the same time, twice. He didn't ask for that. He wasn't even trying to do that. He's like, God, I want to be in two places at the same time. He wasn't doing that. He, was, he went to Fiji. And the first time he had ever been there, the woman greets him off the plane. Brother David, it's so great to have you back here. He went, do I know you? She's like, you're so funny, Brother David. She said, since you've been here last, we've just seen a multiplication of salvations and miracles. The church is exploding. We believe in Fiji to get saved, the whole island. Thank you for coming back. He says, I've never been here before. And she went, you are so silly, Brother David. He said, no, seriously, look at me. I don't know you. And she pulled out her phone and showed the video of him preaching at their church. And he said, what day was this? She told him the date, and he says, I was in Germany. So I'm telling you, like, God does things that may be unprecedented, but it's not going to contradict his nature, his character, who he does. All right. So this Hebrews 4 is painting a picture. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed. This word naked and exposed or exposed is uh, it's the word trachelizo. It's where you get the word trachea from. And the picture is somebody climbing up on the altar And exposing their neck to the high priest who's got the sword, except our high priest, his sword's coming out of his mouth. And it's, this is Romans 12.1, offer yourselves up as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. And it's this, it's this picture of offering yourself, God, go into me and expose what's hidden. Expose what's hidden and take anything out that needs to be taken out. It's a graphic picture, I know. And so it's that word, it's to bend the neck of a victim that's being slain. And so sometimes, so when we approach the Bible, we want God, give me a humble heart, speak to me. But sometimes we go to the Bible just to confirm what we believe, already believe. Now, in the Empire Strikes Back, Y'all remember the training scene where Yoda's training Luke in the swamp? And, he, and part of the last part of his training, I believe, he's got to go into this cave. He's got to go in this dark cave, and Luke is strapping on his uh, laser belt and lightsaber, and Yoda says, you will not need those. <laughs> and Luke says... Uh, why not? And Yoda says, um, whatever you find in there is what you take. And so Luke, go, Luke straps the belt on, and he goes into the cave, and he finds a battle. 
because Luke went in there expecting a battle. And Dota says, you're going to find whatever you take. Because Luke didn't take, he, you remember, he didn't, take, he didn't leave the weapons off. Yoda said, you don't need your weapons. And Luke said, why not? And he told him, he said, well, I'm going to put my weapons on. <laughs> so Luke was expecting a battle, and guess what he found? He found a battle. And so sometimes we can do that. We can, many heresies have been founded off where you take one scripture out of context or whatever. I'm not going into all that. Now, third thing about the Bible is authoritative is Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the key to understanding the Bible. Bill Johnson says it this way, Jesus is perfect theology. All right, so you go to Hebrews chapter one. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. That's the key right there. Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So, it says in the past, the word was spoken by the prophets, and it says now the word of God is spoken to you through his son. So the word comes through his son. Jesus is the key to understanding. We, 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 we take the Old Testament scriptures, and we look at it through the lens of Jesus. In the Old Testament, you know, we, there is things as, um, you had uh, whole cities and, and women and children and animals being, uh, being killed. It seems like, it makes it seem like there's a dichotomy in God's personality. There's not. The thing is, sin, the wages of sin is death. And when before Jesus, who paid the price for sin? You did unless you, you know, had some kind of belief in Yahweh. And even they weren't sure, you know what I'm saying? And so it's, it says in Hebrews 11, it says they longed to see the fulfillment of God's promise. Jesus was the fulfillment. And so now, because Jesus has taken the wages of sin upon his, himself on the cross, which was death, now we live in this place of grace where we mess up or even if we murder somebody, there's a second chance. And so we look at, we look at things through the, the, the lens of Jesus. He is the perfect representation of the Father. You want to know what God is like? Look at his son. You go to the Gospels. You go to what Paul wrote about Jesus. You look at the, at the, at the Son of God to see who God is like. My son looks like me in some ways, but he's not a perfect representation. Jesus looks exactly like his father. He is the perfect representation. He and the father are one. Paul's epistemology, 
and that's just a fancy word for how you know things are true. He said it was this, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So everything is through that filter of G Christ Jesus crucified. Christ Jesus crucified. So what, what are some things um, we don't believe the, about the Bible, okay? We don't believe it was necessarily divine dictation. So what that means is somebody's caught in a trance and they have no control and they're, they're riding on the papyrus and they can't remember what they did. How does God use you today? Do you have an opportunity to cooperate? You do. These men, were, these men were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And you read the Gospels. These guys have personalities, right? You read Matthew. He's got a very Jewish slant on the Gospel. You read Mark. Mark just wants to get to the action. There's not a lot of, it's just action, action, action. Luke is a doctor. And he's like, I wrote you, Theophilus. I mean, he... He used the British accent back then, I'm sure. <laughs> I wrote you Theophilus to show you. And, and, you know, and then you had John who's just like, I'm the tenderloin of Jesus. I'm Jesus' favorite. And I'm going to, I'm going, you're going to get baptized in the love of God when you read my gospel. So you see, and then you had Paul. Paul was a rabbi, he was a teacher. He was an apostle and a teacher. So he's very systematic in the way he wrote. Now, all these are, this is all the word of God, and it's working through men, different personalities. You had Peter. Peter, he's very direct, just like he always has been in his writings. You can go on and on. And so God inspired men, and I don't want to get into this side of it. I want to speak more of like why we believe the Bible from and what the Bible says about itself. But I do want to make this point. The Bible is the most historically accurate document in the world. You have writings of ancient literature like the Greek philosophers, Socrates, Aristotle, those guys, they have 20 or co copies of what they wrote. The Bible has thousands that's, that span 2,000 years or more. And to have the accuracy that the Bible has with thousands of documents where the only, most of the, 99% of the differentiation is in prepositions and things like that. It's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. God has preserved his word. And it's the most historically accurate document in the world. So, what should we do? Where do we go from here? You know, we, we're talking about the Bible as an authority. The first place we start is we just start reading the Bible. Small chunks, big chunks. You can, you can read. Hey, I'm, you get some reading plans on uh, Version Bible. Those are great. You can, hey, I'm going to read through the Gospels for the next six months. Just keep reading through them or... I want to read the minor prophets, the major prophets. The minor prophets are all those hard-to-say names in between, uh, you know, Daniel and, and uh, Matthew. And so, 
and then you have your major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all that kind of stuff. You just start reading the Bible, and you just stay consistent with it. Consistent doesn't mean if you miss a day, man, I'm not consistent. No, it just, you just read. Just like, oh, I didn't read yesterday. I think I'll read today. <laughs> um, you can read multiple translations. I read the NASB. This is very choppy and literal, but I like it. Um, ESV is a good, good version, NIV. You have different focuses. The message is a paraphrase. It's not word for word. NASB, ESV, King James, those are word for word, more translations. Um, you memorize scripture. And this is just discipline sometimes, you know, where you, I, when I first started walking with the Lord, I had a, I just bought a stack of note cards from uh, Rite Aid or whatever. And I just wrote my, I didn't even have favorite scriptures. I, I was reading a book by Charles Swindoll and whatever, the scriptures that he had in that book, I just wrote those down and started memorizing them. I, I memorized Psalm 23 because um, that was a, a famous psalm. You know, I was like, I've, yeah, I've heard of that one. The Lord is my shepherd. I know the beginning. So I just started memorizing that. And um, you meditate on Scripture. So you take, you take a phrase or you take a, one verse or whatever, and you just say it over and over again. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And you say it different ways. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is my strength. And you can't be embarrassed by yourself is all I'm saying, all right? <laughs> There's other online tools. You have Blue Letter Bible, BibleGateway.org. These are just some places that you can actually practically get started. Blue Letter Bible is an app. It's, it's really great. The reason, you don't have to understand Greek and Hebrew because that's why the scholars understand Greek and Hebrew, to make you not have to do that work. So they, they break it down for you. And so I just encourage you, when you, this is, this is the plumb line of our life as Christians. God has revealed himself through his word. This is the standard that we hold ourselves to, and that there's grace. This is impossible, again, without the grace of God in your life. I tried in college to do what was right apart from Jesus. I tried to stop drinking. I tried to stop having sex with my girlfriends. I failed miserably. But when I surrendered, I said, I don't care what you do with my life. I'm tired of running the grace of God came into my life. I stopped drinking, stopped having sex. I was, I was a slave to both of those things, slave to pornography, slave to sexual immorality. And God rescued me, not because I was real strong, but because I surrendered. So the bravest thing, the most courageous thing you can do in the kingdom is to surrender. That's the most courageous thing you can do in the kingdom of God, is just simply surrender. Wave the white flag. God's, that's a good thing to do in the kingdom. Wave the white flag. So why don't you stand up? The worship team will come down. We're going to worship in one more song, and if our ministry team will come forward as well.
If you do not know Jesus, I want you to know he loves you. And if you feel him tugging on your heart, he wants you to respond. Just like if I'm tugging on my wife's shirt, she's going to wonder, what's going on? What do you need? If you feel him tugging on your heart, he wants you to respond today. He doesn't want you to put it off because today is the day of salvation. And so we'd love to introduce you to Jesus. You can talk to me. You can talk to any of the ministry leaders down here. But today is the day to get to know Jesus and to surrender your life to him. He has good thoughts for you. He wants to give you abundant life. He's not a joy kill. He's not a cop in the sky. He's a, he's a father that loves you. He's a father that loves you. And he wants the absolute best for you. And he wants to set you free from the things that are causing destruction in your life. But he has the key. And you have to come to him. So let's worship to one more song.